And away we go! Coming in hot on that one. Love it. Hey, everybody. Hope you had a great week, a great weekend. We're going to here to finish you off with show 157 of the Pucknologist here on Teal Town, USA. Jerkman, what it is, what it was, what it shall be. Oh, already with that sip. You hear that? Whoever, whoever's got the money, this is your soda. <laughs> got that sip. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the unfiltered, unedited, uncensored, commercial-free Sharks podcast that is the Pucknologist. We got three games to wrap up for you this week. We got some thoughts on that trade deadline. We got some thoughts on Alexander Barabanov, and we have a lot of thoughts on Dadanov or Dadanov or whichever way your pendulum swings. Uh, how do you pronounce it, homeboy? I've always said Dadanov, but you know he goes to Vegas, and apparently it's Dadanov, so it's Dadanov. Because we both know there is only one dad. Correct. And if you know who that is, put it in the chat right now. <laughs> I bet you don't. Hey, but before we get into it, remember to subscribe, follow us on social media. And remember, if you want to support us, you can hit us up in the Super Chat during the live shows or throw something in the Venmo tip jar at Teal Town USA. Helps keep this a commercial-free podcast because we are not crowbarring in Manscaped ads. I won't do it. Not going to do it. I can't do it. So let's go. We got uh, three games this week. The Sharks went two and one through 65 games. They got 66 points, which means what? With like 17 left, they'd have to go, what, 15 and two? <laughs> to Dude, like... They're going to they're gonna do it. They're oh, going to run away. A... Oh. They're run away. <laughs> I can't wait for it. Uh, so six in the Pacific after leapfrogging Anaheim last night. Um, so yeah, eleven points up, blah blah blah. Five, three, and two in the last ten. Three and two in the last five. Seven, nine, and three in those divisional games. Uh, for me, went two and three this week. wasn't that difficult. I think we all knew that one of those games was going to be a win. One was going to be. Uh... Actually, no. Now that you think about it, most people said no. Calgary is like the guaranteed loss this week. And what do you know? But through sixty-five, I had them at sixty-four, and they're at sixty-six. So we're pretty damn close. What do we learn against Calgary? Well, the Sharks are able to battle back, hand Calgary their first loss after the Flames lead following two periods. Pretty significant. Sharks 3-0 and miraculously somehow versus Calgary this season. Don't get it. Don't understand it, but it's just one of those things. Edmonton, another snoozer that would get exciting after the first period, and it would be Kakinen's San Jose debut. And versus Anaheim, it was... Just the rhyme and Timo show, pretty much. Uh, it was it, it was Rhymer was the opening act, Timo was the headliner. I think how we can put that together. I thought you know um, specifically for that game, you know, you're talking about headliner opening act. You know, there's also usually some associated acts who you know you sort of look over them, but they end up bringing a lot to the show. And I think Barabanov was that this week. Oh, oh, dude, we're gonna get on to him. Let's start with Calgary, 4-3 victory for the Sharks. Again, the Sharks now 3-0. and uh, They picked up a 4-1 win in November, a 5-3 win in December, and that game included a hurdle hat trick. 
Reimer would get, start this one, despite the, you know, because they just got Kakin in like literally the day before. Uh, this one, special teams didn't help, you know, another 0 for 2, plus they went 1 for 2 on the kill. And that one, I mean, I don't get it. How, how were the, the Sharks able to come back against the best team in the Pacific? And we're talking about Markstrom that just locks shit down. Well, and and that's and I think that's the key. You know, they mentioned on the Sportsnet broadcast, they said to the Sharks' credit, they've realized that Markstrom is a bit shaky tonight, and they're basically throwing everything they can at him. And you you know you saw that in the shot department. I mean, thirty eight shots on goal. That doesn't even account for shot attempts or anything like that. And you know they went in. I mean, the Timur Meyer goal was kind of a weird one. The Couture one was a bit quirky as well. You, you know it's not your night for, as a goaltender when Mark Edward Vlasic scores on you. It, we, there's a lot of that going around this <laughs> week. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I, I, I ultimately think what it is what it is. is, is you know, Markstrom evidently, and like you said, he's locked it down all year. Markstrom had a weird night, had an off night, and the Sharks took advantage to their credit. We've seen them ugh, more times than I'm willing to count squander moments to take advantage of something oh you right and you mentioned the the thing about markstrom being shaky i mean he clearly was off flipped his lid when you know malosh gave uh that little that little tap of the puck in after right. the whistle and markstrom just had a meltdown yeah that's what i'm saying it's and i don't know i mean you'd have to ask a calgary flames fan but i don't know like is that pretty standard behavior for him or is that kind of out of pocket i have no idea true that and the other thing that, of course, needs to be noted in this game, because remember, the Sharks clawed back. They were down, and they come back to win 4-3. Let us not forget Reimer's stop of a Gaudreau penalty shot. Hey, now. Yeah, that was, I mean, literally the difference in the game. Like, I remember I was watching the game, and I was thinking to myself, you know what, if like if this goes in, like, that's, that's probably going to be it, you know? Yeah. And to their credit, they you know they were able to dust the cobwebs off kind of after that and and reset. And I and I thought you know pretty much after Timo's goal, right towards the end of the second period, I thought it was all sharks the rest of the way through. Well, I I look forward to see if they can make a clean sweep of this because the Sharks do have a game one more against Calgary on April seventh. Might want to uh, pick up tickets for that one. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That <laughs> should be. Uh, Filled with fireworks. I mean, so far the Sharks have scored 13 goals in three games versus Calgary. This I, I, I might have to go pick up some tickets. I'm just saying. There's always weird stuff like that. You know, you have – and we've seen it work the other way for the Sharks where, like, when the Sharks were a really good team, a really elite team, there's one crappy team that they can just never figure out. And, you know, now it's – you know, it seems like the Sharks are kind of on the other end of that. Well, you know, it seemed like up until last night that team was Anaheim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, good Lord, what does it take to beat these guys? Oh, okay. Uh, so Sharks at Edmonton after that. Uh, this is the second meeting of the season. We know that uh, we lost to the Oilers 3-1. to one. I believe that was the first game that Kane returned to SAP Center. Notice that I'm not afraid to say the name of Andrew Kane. Felt like some other people were during this game. Not going to lie. Uh, Edmonton came in on a two-game losing streak. The Sharks came in on a two-game win streak, and it's Kakinen's first start versus San Jose, or for San Jose. So, of course, this was going to be a loss. That's just the way the math works. Would have liked to see a power play goal here. <sighs> Another time where 0 for 2, 
and they go one for two on the kill. And it was, dude, it was a boring first, dude. Like the Sharks could not gain the zone. It felt like there was like two shots in the first 15 minutes for the Sharks. It was horrific. Well, and you know, I'll be honest with you. I didn't watch this first period live when it happened, and I went back and watched it, and I was like, well, you know, I probably could have not watched it all and 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 would have been fine. No <laughs> doubt. Uh, I don't know. I it could like I look at this, <clears throat> you know, I look at the Edmonton game. It concerns me that the giveaways were so much higher for the Sharks and the Oilers. You know, like it, like you look eleven giveaways. That's actually the least amount of giveaways they had this week. But compare that to how many giveaways the Oilers had, and it kind of puts that into a different perspective. I also don't like seeing, you know, the fourth line or the third. I don't even know. These lines have been all over the place. But, you know, <laughs> you don't like seeing Chemilevsky get into the lineup and immediately put up a minus two. Even though plus minus is a bullshit stat, you still don't like seeing that. I'm right there with you. Jeez Louise. Uh, a couple interesting things of note, of course, is uh, Dreisaitl would score just after EK65 is cross-checked with no call. Like We rarely mention the officials here, but there was, there was definitely some uh, interesting officiating happening with the Edmonton game. Couture would go out, of course, after taking uh, a shot from Brent Burns to the abs or ribs or whatever. He only missed the Anaheim game. Word is he's supposed to return this week versus Arizona. Mm-hmm. So at least you have that. But when uh, when Smith gloved Barabanov, the Sharks go on a power play. That might have been the worst power play I've all I've seen all season. <laughs> and that is not a high bar to get over. No. Holy crap. It took them 90 seconds to control the goddamn puck. I mean, credit to Edmonton for just <laughs> playing keep away, going, try it. Go ahead. Let's see what happens. <laughs> uh, EK6- you know what else oh, stands out to me here? So <clears throat> the Sharks had, and this is, I, you know, this is not meant to bag on anybody, but this is just, this is like true information. What do we say all the time? If you're playing the most minutes, you, yes, you're going to be, the one who gets victimized the most, but you also need to have your stuff dialed in the most. Th- three of the 11 giveaways in this game were Brent Burns giveaways. Ugh. That's it, almost, you know, that's that's over 25%. Yeah, that's, it's that's, let me see, hold on, I'm looking at it. Yeah, and I have, in fact, confirmed that is not good. <laughs> uh, but this and game... you, you look, too, 24 and a half minutes. Like, this is the thing that's wild to me is consistently Burns has been playing more minutes per game than Carlson. And yes, Burns has a lot of points, but I feel like Carlson's impact has been bigger than Burns's. Oh, especially despite the since, fact that Burns is playing more minutes. Well, I was going to say, especially since returning from the forearm issue. Right. Big time. Although, to, to be fair... EK scored twice in this game, once for Oilers, once for the Sharks. <laughs> <laughs> and he did, in fact, mention that in the post game when they said, you know, uh, when they when asked about his goal, he said, which one, the good one or the bad one? Right. So hats off to him for that. But, the, I mean, this game, you're not going to win very often when only three guys showed up. I mean, this game was the Hurdle, Meyer, and EK65 show. It was all three of those guys accounted for all the points in this game. Yeah, and... <laughs> It like the we've seen in the past and and it's easy to go back to the last time the Sharks made the playoffs, right? Where you would see it seems so long ago. <laughs> right. You know, game to game, you would see 
on a nightly basis, maybe only one or two lines are carrying the mail. But when you compare it game to game, it's a different line every night. Whereas we've seen, and it's even been been said by Bob, where like if Hurdle and Meyer and Eric Carlson aren't on their game, then the entire team is not on their game. Yeah, can't be a one line team, boys and girls. You know, and the and the stats bear that out. I mean, look at Timo Meyer, sixty five points, and then you have Hurdle with fifty four, and then. Couture down all the way down at 47. I mean, that's not that big of a spread, but even you go beyond the top five and it's like well, huge difference. Dude, think if if we had the Timo from last season this season. Oh, the little E would have been next to the Sharks name a month ago. <laughs> like by Valentine's Day, bro. <laughs> Can I also say, I mean, I know, I know we haven't gotten to the Anaheim game, obviously, but specifically a goal on Calgary, two assists against Edmonton, and three goals uh, against the Ducks. Like, I just want to reiterate, like, the play needs to be sign Meyer this offseason to his extension. Don't wait for him to play next year. Dude, I'm saying <laughs> it. Come because on. Because imagine he puts up 100 points next year and then wheels into that arbitration hearing. Like, yeah, I've been really good the last two years. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, you know, we're going to talk about that here in a little bit about some interesting decisions that are going to have to come soon, sooner than later. The one thing, of course, that we're going to take from the Edmonton game, look, we're, we're not trying to, okay, maybe we are, or I should say, I don't want to speak for anybody else, maybe myself. Can we stop denying reality? The post game show, they don't like the score. So they sit there and they go, oh, Let's just cover up the numbers if, as if that means something. Good Lord. Can we not? They stunk the place up. Three guys showed up. Kakanen got hung out to dry. Bugner said as much in the postgame. So why sit there and deny reality? I just, it's stuff like that. It, it just makes the, the postgame show real cringy. To me, that's why I haven't watched it in three years. Yeah, stop denying reality. Just you know, you can point out good things, you can point out bad things. When you only point out the good, you look like state media shills, and your credibility goes out the window. <laughs> stop I like, it. I like Dana saying numbers are a social construct. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, so finally we move on to the Sharks versus Anaheim Ducks it's a 4-1 victory for San Jose although yeah you want to be happy about getting a win especially against a team that like seems to have had your number for the last couple of years but you you know can you jump up two up and down when the team that you're facing is coming in on an eight game losing streak the last win they had was against you (laughs) (laughs) well and you know what in the first period too it was looking pretty critical dude (laughs) like you look at the uh you know you look at the comparison in shots you know the ducks like they you know obviously the numbers uh the numbers will tell you you know most of their shots on goal were in the second period but just watching this game it felt it felt like all of their high danger chances or even grade a chances, whatever verbiage you want to use were in the first period. Yeah. That was, I mean, it was like we said towards the top of the show, it was like, it was, it was the Reimer show in the first period. And then Timo said, Oh, watch this. 
Exactly. Uh, but yeah, you talk about mission critical, dude. I thought like you had to go full flaps in that first period, bro. Because, <laughs> <laughs> dude, I what was his name? Dostal, Dostal, Dostal. Yeah, dude. I was like, who? And and, <laughs> and as heard as soon as I heard the name, I went, oh fuck, we're getting shut out tonight. <laughs> you know, that's that was the thing that scared the crap out of me. And I'm like, oh, here we fucking go. Um, and then during the pregame, they were still whining about the the last game. Where they had that uh, transition in overtime. Who who was you know somebody left the bed. Couture was oh, like yeah, eyeballing. Yeah, it, uh, they were still complaining about that. It's to the point where like, are you serious? Yeah, they they oh. mentioned it. They're like, Dude, remember the last time the, the Ducks played the Sharks? It was the you know the illegal play in overtime, and I'm like, what the fuck was illegal about it? Not even that it was illegal. The fact that they say the illegal play as if everybody is talking about it. <laughs> that's what i'm saying dude it's like i'm to the point where it's like uh pre and post they're just gonna it's hey did you not have a really good day today well here's that that f- the five minutes of game seven to play for you yet yet again <laughs> you know <laughs> just run it on loop <laughs> that's all i'm saying dude oh so i mean they only had two shots on goal in the first 14 I mean, and then and then Vlasic of all people makes it one nothing. You're like, oh, it's going to be one of these. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but, he was uh, he was padding up his module score this week. I'll tell you what. Oh, I bet. Uh, <laughs> Reedy gets his first NHL assist, so that's awesome. Uh, Meyer would make it two zero game winner for him. So Maduel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sharks power play goes one for three, so pretty good. PK goes four for four, excellent. Uh, the fun one of this, of course, being Gadjevic getting into it with Carrick and just straight up jackhammering Carrick into the ground. <laughs> uh, the only bad thing was a, an EK65 with an unforced turnover would give Mayhew a layup. Yeah, that was that was that was brutal. And he did he had four giveaways in this game, which is not great. I mean, he also had a block and a takeaway, but yeah. <laughs> four giveaways. And and I know you know the one you're talking about to Jerry, you know they. Um, I was wondering, like, man, I I wonder if the broadcast is going to carve Carlson for that the way that they've been carving Merkley on the regular end. Nope. You know, I I I was I, I I didn't take notes on what was said, but it was basically to the effect of, you know, it started out as when you're a veteran, you're expected to make plays, and so I was like, okay, here we go, we're going to call it out here, and then it turned around and it was like, yeah, you know, kind of just you know unlucky there, giveaway by Carlson. It's like, come on, man, like, <laughs> dude, that was not un- that was not unlucky, dude. It, Jer- <laughs> Jerry put dude, it on Jerry, his stick, dude. Jerry might have well as been wearing a Sharks jersey on that play. Like, yeah. See, this is what I'm saying. Like, you, you can call out shit that actually had to stop it. It's just the fact that you know and. You know, I've been on the Eric Carlson hype train from day one, but it's like, you know, he didn't play well, or in this particular game, you know, he didn't play well, at least in that instance, call it out. But no, like, oh, we got to, you know, I thought I, you know, I thought Brett Hedekin was, was going to, you know, tender his resignation when Merkley had that past of last sick. <laughs> Dude, Merkley, I thought had a great game and he showed some dipsy doodle in during some parts of this one. Yeah, I think Ian, a little shimmy buddy, shake. Our buddy Ian and I think Nick from San Jose Hockey Now were both like, yeah, like this is, you know, Merkley's kind of coming out yeah, party. It's going to be fun next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, again, this one, it's, you know, Reimer stealing the first period and then Timo going with the hat trick is, is, is wow. All right. We have <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the crowd got a little excited at that. Uh, so, 
Uh, Meyer gets the hat trick. Goal number 30 on the season for him. Uh, finish it. Dude, that last was sick backhander, bro. Oh, dude, that was nasty. I had to, oh. I had to rewind it and watch again. Yeah. Oh, dude, that was so tight. So uh, we, we, I've done this the last couple of weeks, and you know we're all about numbers here as we move on to the next topic. Three games this week, combined time on the power play for Rudolph Spalsers, five seconds. <laughs> I love that you're keeping track of that. <laughs> I hope that increases next season. Like, <sighs> the fact that, you know, and I mean, the I don't know. I just look, and it's like, okay, I love me some John Leonard. I love me some Scott Reedy. But how can you tell me that they're better options than – than Rudolph Spalsers. At the at worst, Dude, they're Lane at, fucking Peterson was getting power play time at one point. Yeah, no kidding, dude. And Lane, <laughs> yeah, and it's like you know, I think at, at worst they they bring the same thing to the table. But you know who's had a successful NHL career? Balsers. <laughs> this is what I'm saying, dude. Did Balsers kick Bugner's dog one day? What the fuck is going on? Remember, I straight up asked. Why he he's did. not putting balls in zone? Well, we don't want to upset the apple cart too much. We like where things are. What, dude? It was so bad when you asked, though. Yeah. Well, and like since then, what have they? Since the Florida game, I, I had it down here somewhere. They had one power play goal. Okay, we'll we'll add in the Anaheim game. So since Florida, it's been like eight games, dude. They're two for twenty five on the fucking power play. It's like that. Unbelievable. That kind of sucks. No, and, I'm sorry. And, my my bad. We're about numbers here. Two for twenty three. There you go. But and, and I think you know Bob's answer to your question. Oh, he he's a big part of our penalty kill. And yeah, he played. You know, the game against Anaheim, he played almost two minutes on the penalty kill. So I appreciate you know I appreciate that aspect of it. But it's like I, I I've seen Couture play power play and penalty kill. Dude, hurdle three minutes on the power play, four minutes on the penalty kill against Anaheim. Yeah, I'm I'm not understanding that. Uh. We like numbers, of course, so one thing we keep an eye on is tickets sold. Dude, 14,161. Uh, highest number that I can remember saying in quite some time. Might Definitely th- since opening night, probably. Yeah, so maybe maybe Becker was right, you know, that maybe it was all about the Rona, the COVID, or whatever, or not so much, you know, maybe it wasn't... Uh, you know, because look, Becker was basically saying it was uh, people still fearful of the Rona, people not being comfortable in open spaces. But you know what? It seems like it's we'll see how this trend moves. But I went to uh, the game versus Florida, you know, the return of Jumbo. I think that was the second game that they allowed people to come in with no masks. And. Nobody was, everybody was like way chill and it did seem like there was more energy in the room. So maybe it was the mandate that was kind of keeping people away. Let's see if this increases, especially as we mentioned, that little E coming next to the shark's name on the standings is getting closer by the day. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see though, if the, you know, the attendance continues, especially on fan appreciation night, you know? Gonna yeah, be, um, I'm going to be curious to see how that shakes out. Me too. Um, so stock up, stock down. For me, I mean, how can you deny him? Mark Edward Vlasic, noted sniper. 
two two goals, four points, plus two in his last seven games. Well, and I think he—I was going to say—I think he's also played pretty well defensively as well. Yeah, but w- when the fuck was the last time he was a plus over a <laughs> stretch of games? <laughs> right, it's been tough to find here and there. So good on him, uh, Timo. I mean, dude scores a hat trick. Yeah, four goals and two assists in his last game. Yeah, I mean, is he is he your MVP this year for the Sharks? Um, boy, or is a, it Reimer? I I think you can. I mean, I think Meyer is the the obvious choice, maybe the sexy mm-hmm. choice. Sure. Uh, I think Reimer. I mean, Meyer is obvious. I think. Yeah, I would kind of lean like Reimer would probably be your number two. In fact, if anything, I'd kind of I'd be interested to see where the Sharks team would be had Reimer not had time where he had to miss games. Or where would the Sharks team would be where would the Sharks team be if in October, November, and December Bob was doing what he's doing now, which is running the hot hand as opposed to doing the one up, one down kind of thing with the goalies. You're right. Makes you wonder. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, stock up for me, Bear Banoff. Points, my man. My man. My man. My man. He's got, uh, let's see, uh, you know, goal and three assists in his last three games. Um, that was that was my big thing for Barabanov is I like the player. I like what he brings to the table. But I think if he could – if he could score, and when I say score, I mean goals or assists. If he could just score a little bit more, like mm-hmm. it would really put it over the top. And lately, he's been doing that. I think you said six or uh, seven points in his last six games, and um, you know he's been very crafty with the puck as well. Like you know the game against Edmonton, he didn't have any points at all, but I thought he was at least doing his best to make things happen. You know he had a hit, he had a takeaway, but he was also you know making moves, getting shots on the net, or at least a shot. <laughs> well, and he has kind of a nasty streak to him. Yeah, dude, it seems like ever since, you know, they're early in the season, it seemed like he was getting run over quite a bit. And then, you know, guys are starting to, you know, earlier in this in the um in the month, maybe even a little bit last month, seemed like guys are starting to get fresh with Meyer, get fresh with Hurdle and yeah, Barabanov, he's had a bit of a mean streak to him lately, especially the game against Calgary, you know, um I want to say I think it was Nikita Zadorov who who hit either one of her, I think it was Hurdle and Barabanov basically flew by him and said, Hey, like that, that that's not gonna fly out here. Like, yeah. you know, you need to calm down there, buddy. And we've seen that. I mean, you it's even you take the points out of it, he's consistent all the way through. You know, he was a <clears throat> excuse me, he was a plus four this week. Um he had five shots on goal. Uh he had two hits, uh three blocks i mean guy's been all over the score sheet well so this leads me to stock down uh first off we mentioned the power play you know two for 23 in their last seven games that's not good fix that the sharks stock down for not signing barabanov already it's you know you need to find cheap talent considering half your cap is going to six guys more than half of your cap and Barbie is just doing nothing but increasing his value (laughs) get this guy fucking signed man yeah, as soon as – here's the thing. <clears throat> the fact that they've passed the trade deadline without extending him or trading him leads me to believe that ultimately he's going to be extended, right? But passing the trade deadline 
all of the ne- the negotiating power is now in Barabanov's hands. Mm-hmm. Because before it was like, yeah, well, we could sign you, we could trade you. And Barabanov is very much like, please don't trade me, I want to be here. Now we've passed the trade deadline, and Barabanov's kind of like, well, you know, it's looking like you need me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I want to be here, but you might need me more than I need you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> ah. <sighs> Boy, just... I'm trying to think of more... I mean, what are we talking? Three by three? I don't think if it if it came in less than that, I think it's I think it's a very team friendly deal, and I think Barabanov's probably. But can the sharks can the sharks afford that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. Let me let me paint you a let me paint you a picture here. Okay, let me get it. Oh, let me see the picture. Come on, little tiny picture. So. Say you get, let's just say for argument's sake, say you're giving Barabanov three million bucks. Well, he's already making one million, so that's one right there. Mm-hmm. The cap is going up a million dollars next year. That's two million right there. And we got their numbers. Yeah, and you know you, I think I think a lot of people were like, oh my god, what are we going to sign Nikolai Kinizhov to? Not really an issue right now. <laughs> that's true. And obviously, there's a lot of moves that haven't happened, or, you know, that, you know, obviously haven't happened, but there still could happen. I mean, maybe, you know, as Ian said on the trade deadline show, like, you don't sign Hurdle to this big extension and then keep the status quo. Like, you have to move big money out. Maybe that's, maybe you move Brent Burns and you say, okay, it's the Carlson and Merkley season. That's, that's my personal choice. Yep. Maybe you move out LeBanc and you say, okay, it's the Balsers, Barabanov, Dolan, John Leonard season. How do you how do you find somebody to take that LeBanc deal without eating some salary? I think and throw in a pick. I think team I, I don't think teams are as low on LeBanc as some Sharks fans are. All right. Fair, fair point. I mean, um, he you know, the contract is a bit rich for what he's done lately. However, you know, it's only um, it's only two years after this year, which you can make work. And he's shown in the right position that he can flourish. And for whatever reason, the Sharks choose not to put him in the right position or they can't put him in the right position. I think a team, you know, a team like and he is from the New York metropolitan area. He's from Staten Island. A team like <laughs> New Jersey, who's always needing guys to play in the top six, you know, maybe a team like New Jersey sniffs around that. I just, I wonder, uh, you know, Barabanov, because you also got to float Ferraro, his coin. I don't, and here's the other thing about Ferraro, and I've seen this, <laughs> okay, what does this tell you? I've seen this largely on Facebook and Reddit. Um, <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> but there, there are some folks out there who are worried that Ferraro is going to get the Darnell Nurse deal, and I'm like, let's, back, let's chill. Back the truck. Let's up. relax here. You know, <laughs> let's chill. Like if, you know, if it, and and I've made the comparison before. We talked about it before. If they gave Mario Ferraro a deal that's comp- comparable to Mark Edward Vlasic's first deal after his ELC. I think that's fair, you know, which is just between the three and four million dollar range. Yeah. And we talked and we talked about that a couple weeks ago. You know, we talked about um, we talked about Justin Braun. We talked about Brendan Dillon. We talked about, like I said, Vlasic's first contract after the ELC. I think between three and four million, that's where 
that's kind of where I think Ferraro's going to fall in. And, you know, the people out there are saying, you know, Jeff Merrick has said six years. And so if you get a, a six-year, three, seven, five kind of situation, I think that's good money. But to insinuate that Ferraro is going to get the Darnell Nurse treatment or the Seth Jones treatment, I think that's an egregious overreaction. I wonder, I mean, because he's 23 now, six years Maybe that's maybe he's gonna go. Eh, give me four years. You know, let me let me build that bridge. I, I mean, mean, I think. I mean, it's because he's another fitness freak like Burns. You know, right? It's out there that he is look. It's that he's looking for a six year deal. Hmm. But I I agree with you where maybe it makes more sense to him to take the four year deal or how however many years gets him to UFA mm-hmm. that many years. Yeah. You know, whether it's four years, five years and then try and ring the bell again. I mean, you know, you you might you might sacrifice some money during this upcoming deal. But to leave yourself open to sign another deal after it's expired, you'll make that money back long term plus more. Exactly. All right. Well, let's let's get into what did happen from the trade deadline. The first thing we of course, we know the big one was the Sharks trading out Jake Middleton to Minnesota for Capo Kakinen. And the fifth round pick that they dealt previously to Minnesota for Devin Duvnik. <laughs> what an interesting. I love the way that all the picks just kind of float around out there and there. Uh, is this return disappointing to you? Nope. Okay, because last week, you know, we were talking about the bar being set to like a second round pick would be the minimum for Middleton based on what other, th- you know, people were getting. Uh, you know, the Sharks themselves said they wanted a second and a prospect. Well,. I think I think Capo Kakinen is now. Where was Kakinen taken in, in the draft? He was taken because it's like, if he was taken in the second fourth round. round. Oh, okay. Fourth so, round eight years ago. Jeez. <laughs> so, but but that's how goalies work. Goalies are always late to the party. Sure, but so you're not surprised or you're not a little disappointed that the Sharks were saying a you know second round pick and a prospect, and they ended up with a fifth rounder and Kakinen. What do I always say about draft picks? You can draft a guy that you'll have in three years, or you can trade for a guy that you'll have now. True that. And Kapo Kakinen, he's 25 years old. He doesn't have he doesn't have a large body of NHL work. You know, over over his <laughs> like, three like Aiden Hill, <laughs> right? He over his three seasons in the NHL, he's played in 35 games. You know, I don't and I'm 35. Uh, yeah, and. Jesus, 55, I'm sorry. And that's starts in addition to relief efforts. And you look at him, you look at his numbers, and the the thing that's always the good the mark of a good goalie is, you know, are they putting up good numbers everywhere they've been, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when in, in the Finnish Elite League, his record is not that hot. Believe me. But let me paint a picture for you. His last year in Finland... He had a this is what blows my mind. He had a 920 save percentage despite having 23 losses on the year. Jeez. Yeah, 20, 23 and 12 and he had a 920 save percentage. 12, 12 and 10 the previous year, 921 save percentage. So you're like, damn, this guy can stop the puck even if his team sucks. Yeah. And then he comes over to the AHL, limited experience in the AHL, only 73 games, but same thing. You know, his first year in the AHL, not that great. Still had a 908. Uh, his second year in the AHL, really good year and really good numbers. And then 
you know, as I said, 55 games in the NHL, very limited, but his career save percentage is 907. And that's not bad, all things considered. So he, he kind of, for me, he has the marks of, of what constitutes a good goalie where they're, they're playing well consistently from league to league. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he's 25. Like there's still a lot of room to go grow, especially as a goalie. Like I almost wonder if this is preferred over the second round pick, right? Okay. And, I hear you that. And, and, and faulty synapse. I want to get to your comment in a second. So I want to follow up with you jerk on the, then on this is, you know, Joe will said they're not taking three goalies in the next season. So what's the move? You know, do you, you trade Reimer and hope that two 25-year-old goalies that don't have a lot of experience are going to 1A, 1B this shit? Or I mean, do you move move Hill because he's been inconsistent and injury pro- prone? And if you are going to trade Reimer and go with the two 25-year-olds, how do you sell it to your fan base that, oh, by the way, we're going to trade the goalie that has performed best for us in the last three seasons? Well... <laughs> I, first of all, I don't think you need to sell anything to the fan base because it's not up to them. Yeah, but, um, but that's what it's all about. But I, I think what you're saying, trade Reimer, you roll with Kockinen and Hill, to me that makes the most sense. I mean, Reimer's been awesome this year, but he, you know, going into next year, he's going to be a pending unrestricted free agent. He's going to be 34 years old, and you could make the argument well, that he's, he's 34 now. He might be 35 by the time this shit happens. <laughs> exactly. And you know, you can you could make a very convincing argument that the way he's playing this year is the best he's ever going to play. Why not sell high? Because if you trade away Hill, you're selling at a loss. Because yeah, cuz you cuz you, you gave up a second in Co- in Kozinash to get uh, what? A fifth and Hill, right? Exactly. And I and I think, you know, I like the idea, you know, Everybody was saying, oh, well, you know, you're taking a chance on a 25-year-old goalie. What if it doesn't work out? Well, now they're taking a chance on two 25-year-old goalies. And but that goes back to my point. What if that doesn't work out? I mean, if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. But I still think it's a smart chance to take. <laughs> and remember, Stalock, still here. And 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 also, <laughs> also worth saying as well, like, Hill, you know, from league to league, Hill's numbers are pretty good as well. However... You know, in the limited NHL time they have put up, you know, Capo Kakadin has put up better numbers. Yes, Hill's career save percentage is a little bit better than Kakadin's, but the, you know, season to season, like, Hill has had more duds than Kakadin has had. Mm-hmm. And well, so I think I think it's a smart gamble to take. I, you know, Capo Kakadin was, you know, Last year in Minnesota, you know, it was a 56-game season. He had 25 starts. Like, he was the ostensibly the 1B. So, if it was already on the plate to get Kockenen <clears throat> in here to San Jose, mm-hmm. are you a little shocked then that, especially when you look at teams like, say, Edmonton or whatever, or I, I think you can Ed- even... Huh? Edmonton is so stupid. Go ahead. Yeah, but Edmonton, Toronto, there are a couple of teams that adding Reimer would be pretty big for them if they're going to make a run. Are you a little surprised that they get Cockin in and don't move Reimer out and sell high on him? I am a little bit surprised, but it makes me wonder if, you know, it makes me wonder if nobody was willing to pay the price. And, and What do you think that price was? Well, I think it's at least a second-round pick. But Seattle has all those. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're, but that's the thing. Seattle, Arizona... 
and Montreal have, you know, half of the league second round picks this year. And, you know, I don't know that they were looking for a goalie, but I just think the trade deadline in general is a weird time for goalies. Like, I don't know that. And, and I guess Kokkinen is the exception to that because he is a restricted free agent this summer. So he's still a controllable asset, mm-hmm. but usually you don't see guys with term move during the trade deadline. That's much, that's an off season thing. Like I wonder, you know, I wonder if you in the summer, maybe you look and, you know, maybe that's something we can look at over the summer. You know, look, look at a team who's got a really good young goalie in the pipes that wants some experience behind him. Maybe a Detroit Red Wings kind of thing, you know, something like that, maybe or a team that's really, really good and wants a cheap backup option. Vegas, Winnipeg, um, <laughs> Vegas, <Pittsburgh>. choice. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, yeah, just makes you wonder, uh, you know, in, in Kokkinen's RFA after this. With arbitration rights. Yeah, so that it'll be interesting to see how that whole thing plays out. But I don't know. I just – it did we – did anybody expect Reimer to play this well? I don't know. I expected him to play well. Yeah, but I don't know that I expected him to – just straight bail out this team this many times. I mean, it's it's literally been like the anti Jones. Yeah, I didn't. You know, earlier in the year when we were when we were saying Reimer in the same sentence as All Star and Vesna, that wasn't on my bingo card. <laughs> no, no, we were talking about that real early on. Uh, I want to get to faulty synapse in the chat here. It says there's a lot of players that the Sharks have to decide on: Ferraro, uh, Kanijov, Kakinen. Kokkinen, whatever his name is. <laughs> I'll learn it once he like, wins a game for the Sharks. Uh, Malosh, Dolan, Gregor, Shemlevsky, Gadjevic, Leonard, all RFA. I mean, you want me to just rip through these real quick? Uh, I mean, if you want, sure. Sure, throw it on the screen. Yeah, there you go. All right, Mario Ferraro, six years, $4 million a year. That's And that's my ceiling. That's not what I give him. That's my ceiling. Um, Kanijov, he's going to start the next year with the Barracuda. So I think you just, I, Kanijov, Malosh, Gregor, Chemilevsky, Gadjevich, Leonard. I think those are all, you give them somewhere between league minimum and a million bucks because they're still fringe guys. Yeah. You know, fringe guys don't command a lot of money. Capo Kakinen, I could see him say, hey, I know I haven't played a lot of games, but I've put up pretty good numbers. Maybe that's a guy I think for him. My ceiling, my absolute ceiling is maybe what Aiden Hill clicks at, but I don't think it comes in that high. And Jonathan Dolan, he's had a good year, but it's one good year. I give Jonathan Dolan the Balsers treatment. I say, here, take your $3 bucks over two years. Let's see where you're at. Yeah, that's it. Because for me, Dolan has been kind of... He's been good, but inconsistent. Yeah, well, and see, and that's I was about to to compare him to very early Patrick Marlowe. Yep, you know, sh- sh- bright in some certain instances, and then on a milk carton other games. So, if he finds that consistency, and it took Marlowe, it felt like a, a, a few seasons to find consistency. We'll see if we get that from Dolan. The only thing with Jonathan Dolan is Patrick Marlowe came into the NHL as an eighteen-year-old, whereas Jonathan Dolan, he's 24, so he's kind of, I don't, he, he, he's not past his prime or past the moment of an exciting young player, but he's very close to exiting that range. And, you know, I would like, you know, I think, I think if you, if you give him the Balsers treatment, I'm, 
I'm you're not going to hear me bitch about that at all. But he's got he's got 22 points in 52 games this year. That's very you just look at it like that. That's decent for what he is and what he was this year. But as we said, you sprinkle in the inconsistencies that there's been this year. He he did kind of have that weird shoulder injury uh, around Christmas time as well. I you want to see that next level, right? Can he, you know, 12 goals in 52 games? Can he maybe get 12 goals in 35 games? You know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And slowly build. He's he's not out of the exciting young player range yet, but he's close. And so, you know, if the Sharks are going to extend him for two more years, which I personally believe that they should, you want to see that growth. All right, another move we saw during the deadline, uh, Andrew Cogliano, uh, part of the line that we've dubbed the O-line. <laughs> <laughs> To Colorado for a 2024 fifth rounder. Uh, I mean, to me, that is, I'm not going to say it's the Ray Bork move, but I feel like it's kind of like, hey, you know what? You came in, you did for us what we hoped you would do. You kind of brought some chemistry and some cohesion back into this dressing room that over the last season or two kind of a little fractured. Uh, And to to get a, a fifth rounder back, for for what was essentially kind of a rental, mm-hmm. uh, I'm 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 happy with that with that trade, and I'm you know it kind of makes me look. I'm gonna root for Florida and Dallas first because of we know why, but if either of those two teams go out, um, hey, I got a Colorado jersey hanging in the closet. Hey, I'm I'm here for you, Cogs. I I appreciated what you did for the team. So I was expecting a sixth for Cogliano. So to really? so to so to get a fifth. Oh, so you're you're pleasantly surprised. Yeah, pleasantly surprised, but also I think this is good business by the Sharks because Oh, doing right by Cogliano. Like this is the right, anti-Vegas move. <laughs> doing right by Cogliano because they, you know, the the story goes and obviously, you know, Shang has kind of put that out there as has Corey, as has Curtis, but the story goes that the Sharks came to him and said, "Hey, what are you thinking?" and Cogliano, the the story is that Cogliano said, well, it would be nice, you know, I would like to play for a legitimate contending team like Colorado, and then they trade him to Colorado. So <laughs> Yeah, no, a, I figured he just got on these. Okay, who has the most points, the best goal differential, Colorado? Yeah, I'd like to go there, please. And and so good, <laughs> like, good on the Sharks for getting something for him. I mean, how many, you know, who's to say it's a fifth-round pick two years from now, but that fifth-round pick could be the, the Sharks' next captain for all we know. Not only that, but... I think this is great for Cogliano because how long have we been saying this season that he's a fourth-line guy playing third-line for the Sharks? The Col- yeah. Colorado has the depth to put him where he can flourish. Yeah, Cogliano – and that's the thing. Cogliano was very uh, was very good for the Sharks. You know, I, I made the uh, the analogy, right? You know, a double player like that, you want, what, you want a goal per month, right? Mm-hmm. And I think considering the Sharks are a bad team and considering he was improperly used, I think he did a pretty good job at getting close to that one goal per month requirement. Yeah. And I will say uh, in the, you know, at the end of the season, the Sharks put out uh, a survey to media members. Why they include us, I don't know, but I appreciate it. it's the media good guy award, who you think the MVP was. There's like four or five things that they asked. I'll tell you, Cogliano might get my vote for media good guy because 
he didn't address the media that often. And typically that's not his fault. It's because the media asks for specific players. He might not have been a guy that was asked for very often, but I'll tell you when he was on there, picture of honesty, you didn't get a lot of the cliche bullshit answers. Well, we didn't get pucks deep and not a, not a lot of shots on goal and gave up too much in the neutrals. All the fucking cliches that were so, you know, that we were bombarded with on a nightly basis. Cogliano was a breath of fresh air. So not, I, not only made that, me but, a fan. Not only that, but in, in terms of his personal life, he's had a pretty taxing yeah, year. Yeah, and really so, tough year. And so a guy like that, all considering what has gone on in his personal life, you like to see him play well. You also like to see him in a good situation. Absolutely. I'm rooting for him. Yeah. As I said, you know, if Florida and Dallas dip out, uh, Colorado's my next team that I'm rooting for. Um, Alden asks, or saying the, the move makes San Jose looks good to other potential players. The org does right by its players. Unless you go full on Kane, uh, I would still blame that on Kane, though. Not, I wouldn't blame that on the organization. But yeah, I, and, but here's the thing, though. Do you do you ever get the sense sometimes San Jose does right by their players to a fault? Like the the Sharks, sometimes they see them almost too loyal. Like it feels like there's a couple times that maybe guys need to be shown the door earlier than they do. But out of a sense of loyalty, I don't know. I think you could make an argument there. That's what I feel like. Uh, Berg in the chat saying, how likely is it that uh, Doug Wilson or Junior Wilson – oh, no, I'm sorry. That's Joe, Joe Will. Will. Joe Will. <laughs> how is it likely is it that they find another diamond in the rough signing in the Euro Leagues on the scale of a Donskoy in the 15th season? I mean, it's definitely likely. Those players come available every year. It's just a matter of – you know, it's a matter of if the Sharks put their name in the hat for those kind of players, you know? Yeah. Uh, let's finish up the trade deadline moves. It kind of gets smaller as we move along. <laughs> New York moves left-handed defenseman Anthony Batetto to San Jose for right winger Nick Merkley. Your thoughts? Um, Do we need more left-handed defensemen? That was the I thing that kind of perplexed me. I didn't understand moving a player like Merkley who's going to be a restricted free agent for a pending on UFA AHL defenseman. Yeah, I don't I don't But at the same time, in terms of doing right by your players, Merkley was not going to get the chance here. Mm. Now he can go to the Rangers and get that chance. Boteto, I would be surprised if he's in the NHL at all this year and he'll leave in the summer. I honestly, I know there were a couple people who were a little pressed about this trade because we sent Nick Merkley out, but Honestly, I, I forgot it happened. Like it's Yeah, but you, know. you can understand when you draw up the depth charts or whatever, it's like, well, you know, the one thing that the Sharks are kind of light on, right wingers, well, actually centers now, it feels like. <laughs> right. But, but like left-handed defenseman, cup runneth over. Yeah. So, yeah, that seemed a little perplexing. The Sharks also moved uh, Mel Nichuk out for center Antoine Morand of the Syracuse Crunch. Um so same 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 thing as the Merkley for potato thing like a guy who's not working out you just trade him for another guy and you see what happens but you know I still really like <laughs> so we're hoping this is another Suomelo for Barabanov to remove <laughs> sure but you know I I still re- but I think it could go the other way like assuming Melnichuk stays in North America and he continues to work on his craft I wonder if the Sharks might regret this trade in a couple years yeah that was the thing that I just Hmm. We'll see. 
interesting when it comes to the trade deadline stuff, our buddy Shang said that sources reported that the Sharks were dangling Nieto and Bonino. No one else mentioned it, and nothing came of it. I don't. It makes me wonder, uh, Shang, who the fuck are you talking to? <laughs> are they blowing smoke up your ass? What's going on? Uh, so that is that's where that is. Again, we going back to the Bear Bonoff thing from pretentious whitefish on Reddit. <laughs> we he asked what should Barbie get, and you know, look, Jerk gave you his ceiling. What do you Which is, think is going to be the deal? Well. Like I think there's the, you know everybody has their limit, but what do you think works for both? Like, is it three by three? Is it two point eight by three? I I think three three years I think is the Goldilocks zone for term. Yes, but but I think two point eight. I think that's too low. I think it's going to be between be between the three and four million dollar range. So okay, well you know what? How about threes across the board? Three point three for three years. I'd be fine with that. There you go, uh, Joe will. <laughs> What's his name? Joe Will <laughs> said that they were in talks with three or four teams about brokering deals, but all those deals ended up blowing up. And it was the Kyles, right? Dubas and uh, what's his name? Davidson. Yeah, like talking about how shit, shit leaks be happening, people. Well, and we oh, only saw fucking up deals in here. <laughs> well, and we only we only saw one trade this deadline season that had a broker that was max domi going to the hurricanes so you know that that tracks out is like you know it's not like there were a bunch of broker deals and the sharks weren't involved like there was only one you know so gotcha oh let's hit a couple from the chat real quick because they're i just enjoy them uh bozasaurus saying sharks don't like having players with the same name nick merkley melka carlson solid point Andrew Murray, remember that guy? Oh, Jesus Christ, really? We're going to go back there? <laughs> uh, we're talking about the goalie situation. Ian pointing out that Corona uh, probably coming after this college season finish. So it's gonna assumption. Be, it's going to be Magna versus Bordalo, right? Who? I'm sorry. Mag, uh, Mag, uh, what's Magnus Corona? I'm mm, sorry. Ma- yeah, I'm Corona. sorry. My bad. Magnus Corona versus uh, Bordalo. Yeah, in the uh, Frozen Four. Nice. Nice. Like seeing that, we like to see it. Sharks prospects on the center stage. Hey, now, uh, reports have LeBanc skating, but still not signed off for contact yet. With the Sharks out of the playoff picture, is it just? Would it, is it? Would it just be better? I mean, there's 17 games left. They're out of the playoff picture. Wouldn't it just be better to like maybe shut these guys down, give them extra time to heal? Same with other guys like say Ferraro or Shimmick maybe even Nieto or Dolan, and give an opportunity to guys like Blickfeld, who last uh-huh. I looked, has Blickfeld played a fucking game for the Sharks this season? Like during, no. maybe during the COVID nope. thing? No, he didn't. Nope. Jesus Christ. So how do you not? He's been, dude, he's been, he's been blackballed ever since his hit on uh, Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> You're right. I, f- <laughs> I fucking forgot all about that. <laughs> Oh my god, that's great! Oh shit! So back to my point, though. You know, why is it like? Why not use this time to get some more experience for some of the CUDA players and let LeBanc get healthy? Because I mean, how shitty would it be for LeBanc to get signed off? He can take contact. He plays two games in. Something gets aggravated, and then now he's out for longer. You know. Here's the thing, though. 
Because, dude, I don't know if you saw, and I'm sorry to interrupt you there. I don't know if you saw that. I think it was like game six, seven, eight, whatever it was. It was a very short amount of time that Eichel had played for Vegas, and Eichel took a nasty hit that kind of bent his neck awkwardly, and everybody mm-hmm. shit themselves. Oh, sure. No, I think Dolan, Nieto, Shimmick, Ferraro, those guys I think it makes sense because they're still recovering. But like, if if LeBanc is already healthy, it doesn't make sense to hold him out from a he's healthy perspective, but also you can't keep an, a healthy player on injured reserve. Well, oh, um, yeah, okay. <laughs> I forgot he was still on IR. <laughs> <laughs> and I think even like let's say he comes back and he can only play in 10 games to finish the season, that's going to put him ahead of the curve for getting ready for next season. All right. So, uh the the people that sit there and bitch and, and piss and moan about like the with the trade deadline coming and going and it, they everybody a lot of people wanted hurdle moved because they're embracing the rebuild mm-hmm. uh how many picks have they've acquired since 2019 quite a few i mean you have uh you've got two seconds that they've acquired a first and this is in the last uh this is in the last three years a first two seconds three thirds uh three fifths four fifths excuse me a sixth and a seventh so when when people say the Sharks need to rebuild and, and acquire extra picks. <laughs> You're like, bitch, they, what do you think they're doing? <laughs> they have, yeah. <laughs> I will say, though, when it comes to the trade deadlines, I love some of these weird-ass conditions. Like, I'm waiting for somebody to just You know, if the player averages 12 and a half minutes of ice time and plays 60% of their games when Mercury is in retrograde, that conditional pick will become a Fox Glow Puck and a 20% off coupon to Bed Bath & Beyond. Like... Are you kidding me with this? If they go to the first round, it's a you know it's a third round pick. If the the team goes to the second round, it's a second round pick, but it's in the next draft, not that current one, you know. And then if they win the cup, uh, it's it's a first uh, or a first round pick, but it's in twenty forty seven. It's just Christ Almighty. So for the trade division for you, who improved in the pack div? Because like Anaheim loaded up on picks. Of course, they tried to give a, a second round pick away, and that didn't work. <laughs> we'll get no, they the... tried to get a second. Or, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, they tried to get a second. That didn't work, and we'll talk about that. But they loaded up on picks. Like the in, Anaheim has embraced the rebuild. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, the many okay, many people are saying that Anaheim they like what Anaheim is doing. Like they you you obviously have some talent, Zegris. Uh, who's the other young in there that's getting all the pubs? Jamie Drysdale. Yeah, I thought there was one other too. Troy Terry. There you go. So you look at those th- three guys. You still have Gibson for whatever reason wasn't moved. <laughs> so, for now, y- yeah. But you've you have some some youth talent on there. This has to be Getzlaff's last fucking ride. I don't know, dude. I mean, oh, you... Jesus, really? Is he going to Joe Thornton this? Dude, thirty-one points in forty-eight games. He's still making a difference. God, I damn. I do want you know last year and and he's you know last year or last summer yeah, he was like he's he's at the final contract right right now. Yeah, he signed. Yeah, he's on he's a go- one year deal uh, that he signed okay, last. Summer. So he's going the jumbo special year by year. And I think last year it was kind of like, 
you know, he had been in Anaheim for so long and he was coming off of a down year. So it was kind of a situation where it's like, you know what? I like Anaheim. I'm just going to stay here. I'm the captain. I'm going to do this, do that. I wonder, he's had a good season this year. And you think he just you know, goes like league minimum next season, and it's like, yeah, fuck it, fourth line center, I don't care. Well, that well, that's the thing, dude. So from we, his contract, his contract, he was making a, uh, you know, he he was making uh, eight point two five million, and that contract expired. And when he signed up for this year, he only signed for three million, so he took a haircut to to make it happen. And so I wonder, you know, but like I said, he came off a down year. He did the team friendly thing this year. Now he's having he's having a good year this year, and Anaheim is still accumulating players. I wonder if he's going to say, you know what, maybe I'll give next season a, a whirl at the cup. You know, he's if you keep Gibson, <laughs> since yeah, that's going to be the big thing, right? If they keep Gibson on, because I think you know he was last year he was tied to Pittsburgh quite a bit. He was mm. tied to Vegas as well. So I'm curious if he'll give one of those teams or another team like that a sniff, but. I I'm really into what I mean, dude. Obviously, it's worth saying the Ducks had to had the personnel to move. So let's not get ahead of ourselves here. True. But you look at this, dude. At this trade deadline, they picked up a first, four seconds, and a third. They get enough for even, uh, they get enough for Raquel for you, dude. Hell yeah. Okay, just make it, sure. dude. He he's been good player. You like him. I like him. Mm-hmm. Good player. Not what he was three years ago. True. So, Anaheim, we like we like what we're what they're doing. I love, dude. I love it. Like I said, they're rebuilding a, right. A first, four seconds, and a third, and that's not even including any of the prospects they picked up. Yeah. All right. And so, so Anaheim, good business. They, if I'm, if I'm, if we're gonna let's, I'm giving them an A, A plus for Anaheim Ducks, A plus. Well, and the fact that you know, if Vegas doesn't have their head up their ass, they would have gotten another second. Yeah, they, and gotten a pretty good fucking player, you know. Yeah. So, all right, uh, Calgary. They get they get Toffoli, Yarncroft. Uh, okay, Ryan Carpenter. Fine. Uh, He's good. Yeah, but I mean, top of the pack right now in the Pacific Division. A plus for me. I'm right there with you. Uh, and the thing that I think benefits Calgary uh, more than anything else is the fact that San Jose is not a playoff team. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let me let me let me let me let me drop some knowledge on you. So oh. you look around the look around the league this trade deadline season, how many uh how many first round picks were traded for this year, guys, right? Obviously Lindholm Lindholm signs the extension in Boston, but when Boston's acquiring him, they don't know that that's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So you look at Calgary. Calgary gave up a first for a guy, Tyler Toffoli, who they're going to have this year and two more years. He's making four and a quarter million, and he's a 30-goal guy. <clears throat> We've been – the last couple weeks when it comes to the trade deadline and, and contracts and everything like that, the word we've been kicking around the you know the, the, the imaginary office here has been shrewd. The very shrewd move by Calgary. I would have liked them to see. I would love have liked to see them acquire a defenseman. You know they mm. they were interested in Mark Giordano. They were interested in Ben Sherratt. <laughs> it's not as if they weren't like completely familiar with Giordano. Right, but you know ultimately that didn't happen. They didn't pick up a defenseman, and 
even though I think they would have liked to, ultimately I think it's fine because they're Did they're you think seven. they were do you think they were in on Middleton? Yeah, it wouldn't have surprised me. No. I think the seven defensemen they've put out this year have been very good. Jacob Markstrom's obviously been good. I think he's 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 going to be on. We're going to at the end of the year. Teal Town USA is going to do a, a an NHL awards ballot and little industry secret. He's going to be on my ballot. I, I'll tell you. You know who's going to get a vote for me when it comes to it? the fact. I dude, I would I would give Sutter the Adams Trophy right now. Yeah, probably. I mean, I I am blown away that he's gotten some of those guys to like. He's a guy who. He sees Lucic on the roster and goes, absolutely my kind of guy. Yeah. He looks at Johnny Gaudreau and goes, fuck that kid. But it's working. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, Gaudreau, Johnny Gaudreau, he's Johnny never Gaudreau's played better. A, that's what I'm saying. And, and you know, going back, you look at, like, the just the way that Calgary's beefed up their forwards. You know, we'll get to the next team here. For me, it's another A+. All right. Edmonton, I mean, kind of – I mean, Kulak and Broussard – now, I think good you need players. to – I'm sorry? Kulak, Broussard, good players, but they are suffering from the problem that the Sharks have suffered for – or suffered from in the past where, you know, the Sharks will have a first line, a second line, and a fourth line, and then the third line is a bit of an albatross. Mm. And they'll acquire a guy who – flips between the third and the fourth line instead of just acquiring a guy who's a first or second liner that pushes everybody down, you know? Yeah. And I and so Derek Broussard, decent player. I like Derek Broussard, but I think, well, I think he's fine for them. But the, the one for me, Brett Kulak, I mean, first of all, again, Brett Kulak, good defenseman. I think they should have swung better. And, you know, maybe they tried and it didn't work out. But I think, you know, your team has been very hot and cold. Good team this year, no doubt. But they've been very hot and cold all year. And so when you, you after it's all said and done, you say, yeah, you know, we got Derek Broussard and we got Brett Kulak. And it's like, okay, these are good players, but I don't think we swung far enough here. I mean, the goaltending situation, yes. That's... Mike Smith and Koskinen, they've, they've been decent. But, you know, that, to me, that is a ticking time bomb. Yeah. And, and I go to well, you talk about ticking time bombs. The one name that we haven't mentioned that they did pick up this year, of course, Evander Kane. And and you know Ken Holland, their GM, did say that he viewed Evander Kane as their trade deadline acquisition. Yeah. But I still wonder, like, you know, you look at some of the other guys who were available, like Hamp, like to me, like Hampus Lindholm, Edmonton should have been all over that. I give, and you know, I give Edmonton, like I said, I give Edmonton a C. I think they did decent, but there's definitely a lot of room to grow. So, L.A., relatively D. quiet. I mean, Troy Stetcher, and that's it. And to me, we're saying D because, like, they've got a shit ton of injuries. They went out and did nothing. It's, it's almost as if they said, you know what? We're in a great position this year. We had no idea we we're going to do this well, but this is not our year. Especially because, you know, Sean Walker is on long-term injured reserve. Matt Roy and Drew Doughty are on injured reserve. To me, it made all the sense in the world that L.A. was going to go after a defenseman. Mm -hmm. I think if they could have made it work, I think Jacob Chikrin would be on L.A. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that didn't happen. They weren't able to make it work, obviously, but I still... 
expected them to go after a defenseman. I st- I also expected them to pick up another forward. Nobody is going to blow you away. No, but you know, another for- similar to a Derek Brassard or maybe a a Callian Croak, a player like that. You know. Yep. And they they only picked up Troy Stetcher, which again, Troy Stetcher, decent player, but they should have swung much higher because it's not like they're in the wild card spot and they're just hanging out. They're second in the division. Like they they're going to the playoffs this year. And it's been largely with found money. I think they mm. needed to reward their team. So for me Comple- it's a D. Completely agree. Uh Seattle, I mean the uh, A plus. Eh, I I say B just because it was eh, you know, all they did was say, Okay, oh you have a second round pick, we'll take it. And that's fine, dude. They're gonna have an <laughs> You know, if it if you know if everything goes according to plan, they're gonna have a really epic draft this year. Well, dude, what what, what was the line that I saw from the draft that said like Arizona, Seattle, and Montreal own like twenty five of the first seventy seven picks? Yeah, it's something <laughs> ridiculous. That's <laughs> gonna be the the fastest fucking draft you've ever seen. <laughs> I love it. But you know, Edmonton or Edmonton, sorry, Seattle. You know, they've got the building box in place. You know, they got Jared McCann signed to an extension, who's been their number one center, and I really like Jared McCann. And, you know, they've got, say what you will about some of their personnel, but, you know, they've got Yanni Gord locked up long-term. Jaden Schwartz is locked up long-term. Philip Grubauer is locked up long-term, as is Alexiak and Adam Larson. So, yes, you know, it was kind of a, you know, sell it, you know sell everything, not nailed down. Mm-hmm. But they've got guys signed to some long-terms at some decent dollars. Like, they, they shouldn't be, you know, doing a four-year rebuild. You know, this should be a, like... You know, we're going to try and see what we can do this year. or um, And when I say this year, I mean next year. You know, we're going to try. We're going to see what we can do and and go from there. You know, and I think as much as I crapped all over them for their expansion draft, I think their trade deadline has been significantly better. And I'm curious to see where they take it. So for me, it's an A+. All right. And, uh, and before we get uh, going, I forgot to mention that we are doing a giveaway tonight for the uh, Sharky birthday jersey. So just wanted to throw that out there. We're going to get to that in just a few minutes. Let's finish off how we think that the Pacific did. Vancouver dumped uh, Travis Hamanick, Tyler Mott, and got Travis Dermott. Anything? I mean, I don't know. <sighs> it would have been, for me, it would have been an A had they traded Travis Hamanick and Tyler Mott and then stopped. It would have been an, <laughs> it would have been an A. They get a third-round pick for Travis Hamanick, which is – Huge value because there's been a lot of drama surrounding him since the pandemic started, and it came out that a couple of his teammates sort of breathed a sigh of relief when he was gone. And so for me, I was like, yeah, this is an A. But then they take that draft pick and turn around and throw it at Toronto for Travis Dermott. Travis Dermott is a good player, but he's also a player that you can find 10 of in day four of free agency. The th- the thing that just gets me – like I. Fine, do whatever you're going to do, Vancouver, when it comes to the trade stuff. The fact that they really haven't taken advantage of Vegas falling off the rails and leapfrogging them in the standings, mm-hmm. that is what really gets me. I'm just like, oh, my God, can we not? Uh, Dana throwing uh, some smoke on the fire. <laughs> can we please take a moment to sh- shred Ottawa for bending over backwards to take Hamannick? <laughs> yeah, that's so... <laughs> weird to me because, <laughs> because same same thing it goes the other way Travis Hamannick is a decent player but he's a guy that you can find 10 of in unrestricted free agency like why and you know if they're pending free agents 
that's a different situation. But you got guys with term left. Why are you giving up draft picks for guys you can get for free? Well, that takes us to the Vegas clusterfuck. D minus. <laughs> no, to me, I just go big fuck. Big F for fuck. I mean, how does this get so fucked up? I mean, people are, oh, well, it's Ottawa's fault because they didn't send over uh, Dadnoff's no trade. Well, isn't that on Vegas to, like, do their due diligence and, and say, hey, Herdy's got a no trade. We have access to Cap Friendly. Where is it? Send it over. Let's see it. How does the agent not get involved and say, um, you know, like, okay, the great trade. By the way, here's his no trade clause, you mm -hmm. know? And then Anaheim, how, like I, the league office, how does no one get the fucking trade details? Now, I understand that it's essentially, it's only like the agent and the team who has these details. But again, I go to the whole thing. It's like when you send over the paperwork, when you're faxing over all the paperwork or whatever, when Ottawa is doing that with Vegas, how is not one of those... You know, big fucking red flag. Dude's got a no trade. This is what it is. And then how did it take like three days to get a fucking answer for this? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, holy shit. You know, the most recent CBA says no trade transfers with the player. So I just don't understand how the fuck this happens. So I think Anaheim and Cent NHL Central, Central Registry – I think they're both innocent bystanders in this whole thing. Because Anaheim, Anaheim, what is it? Yeah, I totally agree with you. Because, again, like I said, it's the team and the agent that knows about this. That's it. Exactly. And, you know, central registry not having the trade, de trade no trade list, like that's that's by design. You know, that's to prevent, that's to prevent leaks and all that kind of stuff. But I think if you're breaking this down, you said, who is to blame? I think if, if we're going to take 100% of the blame and we're going to give everybody a slice of the pie, to me, the agent should take – to me, the agent should take 60% of the blame because the agent should be freaking advocating like blindly and brutally advocating for their client. Like they should have – like the agent should have been on the phone as soon as the rumor came out. Like, hey, I hope you're not trading him to a team he can't go to. Yeah. Like, you like know, all I, the California teams. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Dadnoff changes agents because of this whole nightmare. Dude. And then I think the remaining 40%, I think it's shared between Ottawa and Vegas because they both – made a mistake that I think are about equal value. Vegas needs to do their due diligence. Ottawa needs to provide the information. We we talked about this on Discord. People are saying, you know, well, Ottawa, I mean, like there are there were very few things asked of Ottawa. Providing the list is one of them and they didn't do it. That's why I think they get some blame, but also Vegas. Vegas, I would even argue Vegas takes maybe a teeny 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 tiny bit of less blame than Ottawa does only because like doing their due diligence, that's like going above and beyond. But Vegas has no reason to question the information being provided to them by another team. Yeah. I'm just, I don't, I'm blown so away it, by the, how, what a clusterfuck that this whole thing turned into. And hopefully we get some transparency going forward. I know the GMs, I, I believe are supposed to meet early next week and hopefully something comes out of it that says, Hey, you know, when somebody submits their no trade, 
this shit has to go to central registry. Well, there's a there's a lot of agents who don't want that. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, you don't want that information to get out. I get that, but at some point there has to you know there can be like the one person who has it under lock and key, so they can just go to that person and say, "Hey, this deal just happened. Is there no trade? No. Okay, thank you." And in that way, it's just one person. And if it does leak out, there's the one person you blame. You know what I think is, <laughs> you know what I think is absolutely incredible about this whole situation. The, uh, the fact that Vegas was like, "Hey, we welcome him back, and it's so great." Or the fact that like Dadnoff has like been the only one that scored for Vegas since he's returned. <laughs> well, so that's the thing. He, you know, before the trade deadline, he was their hottest player. So it's kind of like I understand they need to dump salary, but it kind of felt like they're going in the wrong direction. And then, not only that, you look at the two games that he's been back from the void, as Jeff Merrick is calling it, like he's had two goals and three assists in the two games back from the void. Like he's still, despite taking a couple games off when all this nonsense was going on, he still is Vegas's hottest player. He's, <laughs> he's got five goals in his last four games. This is great, dude. Like I under, and again, I understand Vegas trying to dump salary. I totally get it. But the hottest player on the team, like, dude, and then and then they just put uh, what Riley Smith on LTIR to get Martinez off, right? Holy shit! So it, the question becomes like, look, they this, trades can still happen. It's just that the players involved can't play. Correct. Do you think that that like I don't know like Arizona comes, you know, galloping in on a white horse saying? Here you go. We have the pick you're looking for. We'll take that player. <laughs> I think if if Arizona was smart, they would put that out there. But I think I at think this they have right. But I think at at this point, I think I just wonder if Vegas just doesn't want more PR nightmare. Right, and I and I think at this point, get, getting Riley Smith on LTIR tells me that they're going to be fine getting into the playoffs. And so, <laughs> you think Vegas is still going to make the playoffs? I think if they do make the playoffs, like if they do make the playoffs, I don't think the salary cap is going to become an issue. That's what I'm saying. I got you. And oh, that is something that has been going around. Do you, are you for you know? Okay, so once the playoffs start, salary cap shit goes out the window, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think it should? Do you yes. think salary cap should remain during the playoffs? Because here's the thing: because in the playoffs, teams carry larger rosters. Mm-hmm. And there's there's no way to accommodate that unless you raise the ceiling, the cap ceiling. Not only that, players are only paid during the regular season. So mm, good point. You know, what do you like? It's kind of to me, it would be unfair to say a player counts against the salary cap when they're not being paid for playing in the playoffs. Yes. Oh, breaking news, at least for me. I told you I was giving it the horse eye. Stanford women's basketball has just beaten Texas. Stanford is going to the Final Four, baby. Oh, yeah. National champions from last season going to the Final Four for the 15th time. Okay, this is no longer a Stanford women podcast. Back to the Sharks. Uh, So other major moves outside of the Pacific. Anything that, like, stood out to you? You're just kind of like, eh, you know, that's kind of how we thought that was going to go. Hmm. 
I like Chicago. I like Chicago getting a crap load of assets for some of their players. I think. Do you I, like wild the wild getting flurry? How how much do you think that improves their chances? I think a lot because Cam Talbot has struggled this year, and you know they say can't say it gets to a point where Cam Talbot is not the you know is going to lose the net. Mm-hmm. I think they feel more comfortable giving it to Flurry than they do Capo Kakinen. As much as I like Capo Kakinen, gotcha. All right, so no, I, li- I like what Chicago did. I think I think with the direction they're going, I think it might have made sense to keep Brandon Hagel, but the return that they got you you don't turn away from that like that's an epic return and then to get a second for Marc-Andre Fleury that could potentially upgrade to a first like I know you know on 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 the the private business side of everything they're still a really shitty organization but if you if you kind of do the blinders and you focus just on what they've done in the hockey ops department this year specifically or not even this year this month with the trade deadline I think they've done good business so, I have a new drinking game for you. Would you like to hear it? Sure. All right. So, now I know you're not much of a drinker unless it comes to that that sip. <laughs> <laughs> but for those of you who enjoy the uh, the occasional cocktail that might have played the Desert Dogs drinking game, obviously you can't play that as much now that Arizona is out of the division. So, I have one for you. Anytime Brett Hedekin tells Randy Hahn that he's right about something, take a shot. I encourage you to play that this week. Now, I wouldn't play it on Wednesday if you're also playing the Desert Dogs drinking game because they are playing Arizona. So we don't want you to die of alcohol poisoning. But just take note of how many times Brett Hedekin says somebody is right, usually Randy Hahn. You're going to get pretty – don't don't start with something that's like 180 proof, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Go with something a little lower, but see how fast your uh, your mind's kind of spinning. Uh, finally here for the giggles, Toronto has released a new jersey. Fine. Whatever. Looks a little familiar, though. Looks a scotch familiar. I'm just saying. I don't I don't get this simply based like the the idea of a reversible jersey to me is stupid because if you reverse it so you see like well you see the outline of the numbers they're backwards and you see that you don't see the NHL shield and then you get the collar thing sticking out like this I understand like the NHL wants to try to be cool and hip although associating yourself with Justin Bieber seems contrary to that I just I don't get. He's this. hip. Bieber is really yeah. Because most people I know like wish he would like be fired into the sun. I don't know. He has good music. He's obviously very popular. <sighs> I don't know. Either way, you're I telling just... me you don't get your peaches from Georgia. Sure, I suppose. You get your weed from know. California. Look, like... either way, this I don't know what the fuck you're talking about right now. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> saying that this that this jersey. Looked uh, pretty goddamn similar to something that the Sharks had already done, which I, which I got a kick out of. So it's fine. Look, hey, come on, let's let's fucking finish this shit up, can we? Um, time. Let's let's uh, let's let's give this jersey away, shall we? It's time. 
Shirzy still wrapped, of course. Uh, size XL for those that uh, give a shit about that type of a thing. But last time we did this, uh, I put it out there where you had to know the four primary goal songs. I'm not going to be that specific this time. Instead, I turn the spotlight on you. So here's the deal. If you'd like to win this jersey, all you need to do, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us five stars and leave us an entertaining review. The review we find most entertaining is going to win this jersey, uh, jersey, excuse me. It's going to win that jersey. We're going to uh, compile... Our next, uh, when we get together next Sunday, we'll compile the ones that we find most humorous, most entertaining, whatever, uh, most brutally honest. We're going to take those and we will debate amongst each other and come up with a winner. And and here, I'm going to tell you this right now. Yeah, whip it out. Don't, don't send me any of them because I want to react to them for the first time on Sunday. Yes. Absolutely. I will I will collect them on Sunday afternoon. Uh and and I will have them and then uh, we will present them to to jerk and we'll have the live reaction. I think that's going to be that, that's going to be good. So And 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 folks I I I think AJ and I've been doing this podcast for 6 years. I think if there's one thing that's never in doubt, it's that I'm very transparent with how I feel about something. If I think your review is not very good, and we won't flame you, like we won't say who it is unless you win. Yeah. But if your review, if I think it sucks, I'm gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go. Okay, that could have been better. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, with that, uh, this is our call for questions. So if you have any questions or any uh, comments you want us to react to, you can start leaving those in the chat now. With 17 games left as of now. When we talk again, we're going to be catching you up on three Sharks games against Arizona, Colorado, and Dallas. With that being said, let's find out how things are going for our dark horse picks that we've had since the beginning of the season. Jerks Canucks are sitting there with 73 points, fifth in the in the Pacific, four points out of the Div. Now, they were seven out last week, so getting better. But 4-3-3 three, and three in their last 10, again, for me, it's so disappointing, Jerk, to see your Canucks just not take advantage of what they had going, especially when you look at what the hell was going on with Vegas. Right. Well, and you, you look at how good the goalie – we talked about it all year. The forwards are really good. The goalie is really good. Their blue line is a bit of a nightmare. Hmm. But that doesn't single-handedly lose you games, right? And and I'm with you. Like Vegas has tumbled down, as has Anaheim. Like I'm surprised Vancouver hasn't tried to step it up. And you know, people people always say, "Oh, you shouldn't trade for players at the deadline if you're if you're not in a playoff spot." But similar to the Sharks, I last year it wouldn't have surprised me to see Vancouver trade for a guy that they could maybe is under turn under contract or they could re-sign and have for a few years to be a little bit of a shot in the arm for this year while also being an option for the future going forward, you know? Well, and let me say this for your Canucks. Did you know that, let me see here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Did you know that three of their next seven games are against the Vegas Golden Knights? Wow, really? <laughs> three of their next seven. Now, their next two, they're doing a home-and-home home with, uh, with, with St. Louis. Mm -hmm. But after that. Who's also in a wild card, in number one wild card spot. Dude, 
So you've got that. I if, mean, if Van- dude, if Vancouver wins both those games, then they're two points behind St. Louis. Dude. Then granted, they, St. Louis has three games in hand, but then they have another home and home situation with Vegas, then Arizona, then mm-hmm. San Jose, mm-hmm. and then Vegas again, and then Arizona. Now we I, mentioned it last week. Arizona, not the the shit storm tire fire that they were in the first half of the season. They've definitely better, but still, this these next eight games, holy crap! Could the table not be better set for Vancouver? Not only that, dude, but uh, they're trying to catch Dallas, and they play Dallas on April 18th. So that you know that's going to be a big game. Oh, I'm just saying it. So, dude, your your Canucks, like this late, is late, dude. There, I play. I say this is my strategy in <laughs> all all board game strategy games. You play the late game. You play the long game. Sure. You start the game, yeah, we might be in seventh place for two-thirds, but, dude, when I get shit dialed in, I'm going to blow past you so fast your head is going to spin. Now, now, conversely, with Vegas, they have their next two, it's a home-and-home with Seattle. Mm-hmm. If you don't win both of those fucking games. But, that's Yeah, that's huge. But then, again, it's then it's three of four against Vancouver, that fourth game against Arizona. You should be able to win that. But then Calgary, Edmonton, Washington. Dallas, St. Louis, like they that have, Dallas game is huge, dude. It's so massive. Although it's huge, what, it's huge. <laughs> but what if it gets to that point though? But that by the time that Dallas game arrives, it's not a big deal. You know what I mean? Because sure. because Vancouver got their fucking work done. But it it has also been a while. Like it's been a minute since we've seen a game where it's like, oh, this is game eighty two for both games. Whoever wins, they're in the playoffs. Whoever loses, they're not. Like we haven't seen the playoffs come down to game eighty-two for a long time. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer, isn't it? <laughs> like, uh... like I remember, I remember a few years ago, there was like, there was a a very real chance that the Florida Panthers and somebody else, I can't recall who, but there was a very who? real chance. There was a very real chance the Florida Panthers and somebody else were going to have to play a game 83 because oh. the, because the top five tiebreakers were all tied. Jeez. I want to say it was Florida and it might have been Florida and New Jersey four years ago. That sounds vaguely right. I feel like the Sharks had a season where it came down to like their last one. Like, like it might have been back in like 94, 95. Well, I know there was one year where the Sharks played L.A. to end the year, and whoever won the game was going to play the Blues in the playoffs, and whoever lost the game was going to play the Canucks. Yeah. Well, and see, and and I know just to segue, sidewind, whatever, for a second, that 12 years ago, the Giants, the San Francisco Giants, were (laughs) – Dude, they just they had to they like they literally had to win three straight against San Diego to make the playoffs, and they did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like how do you choke that away? But so anyway. I so I I was right. It was so you go back to 2017, 2018. It was Florida and New Jersey almost had to play an 83rd game against each other because, dude, New Jersey made tie, the, how many tiebreakers are there though? So it's so it's points is the deciding factor. Yeah, but then and doesn't then, it go to like from then there, record from there against each other and goals from, against? So after points, goal differential. No, so after points, it's regulation wins. 
And then after regulation wins, it's regulation and overtime wins. And they and it went and that then far, after, and they were still fucking tied. Yeah, and then Jesus. after that, after that, it was wins in general, and then it was the head-to-head matchup. So you look right here, New Jersey. At some 40, point, it's, and then it comes down to the coach with the longest schlong. So you look, New Jersey, ninety-seven points. Florida, ninety-six points. But you look, they both had forty-four wins. They both, you know, they were within two of each other on reg- on regulation overtime wins. They Florida had one more regulation loss than they did. There was New Jersey was 44-29 and 9. Florida was 44-30 and 8. Almost identical records, almost identical regulation overtime wins. They had the same number of goals scored in the season and Florida allowed two more goals than New Jersey did. Like it was Christ. totally, it was totally unheard of. Like, you know, it, I remember it coming out like, Oh, if, if New Jersey loses this game and Florida wins this game, then the top five tiebreakers are all going to be tied. And Florida and New Jersey will have to play an 83rd game to decide playoffs. Jesus. I wish it would have happened. It would have been so cool. Oh, dude. So we'll see what happens. You know, the, my Kings, 81 points again second in the divi- in the division four up on Edmonton although that could change very quickly over the next week. <laughs> yeah, it just depends on who Edmonton's got in net, am I right? Yeah, dude. So, yeah, Edmonton coming up fast, four points behind, a game in hand, two games versus Edmonton on their schedule. So, that's going to be fun. Uh let's get to a question that we got here from the Sleepy Mo. How do you think the coaching staff will divvy the goalies for the remaining games? Uh, I haven't heard any news on Hill aside from, like, I think the last I heard, I think it said, like, he's out there, like, he's skating, still not looking at getting him into the game. Plus, they just got, you know, cocking in. So, I would look. What do we got here? Um, any back-to-backs? You know, it's well, yeah, this week it's Wednesday, Thursday. So at Arizona, at Colorado, for me, I'd be shocked if Kokkinen did not go against Arizona and then you get Reimer in against Colorado. I mean, the the fact that they're splitting the starts on non back to backs tells me that's where we're headed. Yeah. So I, I'd go with that. But, you know, it's like I think you put Kokkinen against the, you know, based on standings, easier opponent. Yeah, but you know, I don't think it matters. I think you if I'm Bob Bugner, I flip a coin. Sure, and I know I I, I still I'd put Cocken in over there. Because why, you know what? By the what is here here here. Well listen. What's the in, what's the incentive to winning versus losing? Like No no it's, no, it's not the incentive to winning versus losing. It's the incentive of the <laughs> The I'm sorry. The Stanford women are doing the electric slide on the floor of in Spokane. Um, no, the incentive for me is that if if Reimer takes a win versus Arizona and looks looks solid and everything like that, you go, hey, good on you. You know, if he takes a solid win against Colorado, who let's face it, right now at this point is the sexy pick to come out of the West for the Cup. Mm-hmm. Ups his value. I just don't know that one game would up his value. I almost, I almost, I, I almost wonder if it would be smarter to play the long-term option against the tougher teams. Okay, I'll give you that. I mean, you want to, you want to see what you have, right? Sure. 
so so anyway, to get back to Sleepy's question, uh, yeah, the, I think it's just kind of like, hey, you feel like playing tonight? Sure, get in. Okay. <laughs> like, who, who gives a well, shit? And, and you know what? Depending on how things could go for the Sharks, like it may be a situation where he sits down with both goalies and he says, you, you both better be ready. Yeah. Uh, speaking about being ready when it comes to being a goaltender, uh, here's a name for you. Martin Jones, not ready. Uh, save percentage at a 903. Better than last year. Yeah, so, you know, the Flyers have four back-to-backs left, so Jones is going to get some starts, but unless Chief throws up four straight shutouts, uh, Ian's quaff is more than safe. So, there you go. Uh, Finally, we'll move on to our tweet of the week, and uh, it's it's a good one because uh, the Oilers, they got jokes. Uh, For those of you who didn't know, Calgary fucking smoked the oil last night, 9-5. to Uh, Johnny Gaudreau had five assists in the game. And this is what Edmonton decided to post on their social media. Instead of the scores, just Google it because that's how bad it was. But you know what? Brody Brazil must be proud. Dude, but stick taps. I mean, dude, at least they have a sense of humor about it. Aside from, you know, Curtis Brown. Oh, I don't like the score, so I just covered up. No. This, you know, shit. Everybody throws up a stinker. Ask Detroit about their stinker earlier today. Because what, was the, what was the final score in that fucking game? 11 to 2. Jesus. <laughs> but that's but you're right, because you, when you compare the two. So right here with this graphic, Edmonton is saying, we don't want to talk about it. Go figure it out yourself. It's out there. Yeah, the but, way, but it's the way bad. It happened, the way it <laughs> happened on the on the on the post game show, it was like, oh, it's all you know. Oh, get the Men in Black, you know, pen. It never happened, right? <laughs> yeah, this isn't what really happened. They didn't lose five to two. They won two to square. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, the Sharks had two goals. You know, two or fewer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. Jesus. Oh, so you can, <laughs> can we wrap this up? Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow him at hockey underscore jerk. You can follow me at AJ underscore strong on those social media channels. Remember to leave your take in the comments section of this YouTube video if you weren't able to join us live. And if you were, hey, leave a comment in there anyway. Remember to follow us on our social media channels, including YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, all those things. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, and if you ever want to support the show, you can do so using Venmo at Tealtown USA. So that is about it. And of course, as we wrap up here with show 157, famous last words for you, jerk man. So famous last words. It has nothing to do with hockey. Uh, apparently Will Smith and Chris Rock got into a dust up at the Oscars. I want to see this when we go off air. Whoa. Yeah. I'll, I'll Kevin Lacey retweeted it. I'll retweet it as well. Or you know what I'll do one better. I'll post it in the YouTube chat. If anybody wants to consume it. Why are those two getting into a fucking dust up? There's definitely, there's, there's, it has to do with something that's said. I haven't listened to it because obviously I'm listening to you, but as soon as we get off the air, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to Uh, it. I mean, my money is on Will. Bye bye. My money is on Will. You know, I just doubt. I just posted the Twitter link in the uh, in the old in the old YouTube chatteroo there. Um, 
I can tell, like I said, I watched it with no sound, and it looks like Will Smith says, my wife at one point. So <laughs> my wife. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious to see. You know, like I said, when we go off air, I'm going to fire it up, and I'm going to see what it's all about. Uh, yeah. For me, um, famous last words. You know, there are entirely too many people on social media, particularly Facebook, that just spew nonsense as if it's fact. So if you don't know something for fact or have evidence, shut the fuck up, please. Like, help everybody out. It's like, I'm sick of social media becoming the cesspool of misinformation. And I see it constantly on Facebook, where somebody will say something as if it's fact. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and, and then you go and look it up, and you're like, that's not even remotely close to being true. Yeah. Just stop. <laughs> as, 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 we, as we say, you know, if you put facts out there that aren't backed up or, about true or aren't true, be gone. Yeah, stop with that nonsense. Stop being part of the problem. Please help everybody out. If you don't know it to be true or have the evidence to back it up, shut the fuck up. Help everybody out. Thank you. you That's my PSA for the night. <laughs> so 157 is in the books. We have a good time, man? Yeah, man, it was great. I felt we got. I felt like I, now I'm all just like worked up. Like, did Will Smith beat the shit out of Chris Rock? That's all I want to know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, we're gonna. I'm gonna watch this clip. Might be wheeling over to Jack in the Box to get some onion rings. Oh, oh no free and, ads. No free ads. And uh, and then you know, Discord might need to have a thing to say. Nice. We're not See? doing a. We're not doing another fucking takeover next week, are we? <laughs> I think no. I think it's in two weeks. Oh, shit. Okay. Cool. All right then. Have a good night, everybody. Enjoy your evening, uh, and uh, happy Monday to those of you listening to us on the delay. <laughs> See you next week, guys.